Whilst the person who has become liable to lashes is being lashed by one of the messengers of the Beistin, one of the Dayonim, one of the judges of the Beistin, would read certain Pesukim whilst the lashes are being given. The Hakurei Kurei, the one who is reading the Pesukim, reads the following Pesukim. If you will not watch yourself and make sure not to do the Averas, etc. The Hifla, and Hashem will deliver multiple hits to you, the Pesach goes on to say how your children will be suffering as a result of this. And the next three words, we're going to miss those words out. There are different versions of the Mishnah, but it makes sense to miss out the next three words if we're going to read the continuation of the Mishnah. The Mishnah brings a few more Pesach in which were read, you shall guard and keep these words of the covenant, the chesem, and at the end, he would end off the reading of the Pesukim with the Pesuk of that he, Hashem, the merciful one, will atone for the sins. And once he has read all of these Pesukim, if the lashes are still being given, which the likelihood is that he hasn't yet finished giving all of the Malkas, this judge who is reading the Pesukim would go back to the beginning of the Pesukim and read them again, and he would continue reading these Pesukim until the delivering of the Malchus had been completed. Now, we already learned at the beginning of the previous Perek that although in general if somebody kills another person unintentionally, he needs to go to Golos, he needs to go to exile, that's part of his atonement, otherwise a relative of the victim is allowed to kill him. We learnt in the previous Perek that if somebody is involved in a mitzvah, such as giving Malchus, and he kills the person by mistake, he would be exempt from going to Golos, says the Mishnah, if the person dies under his hand, meaning as a result of him giving him the lashes, Potter, the person who is giving the lashes, is exempt, because he is acting as part of a mitzvah, he's acting as a messenger of the Beistin, and for that there is no punishment and no need for the atonement of Golos. That having been said, that's only if he gives the amount of lashes which he was supposed to, but if he added even one additional whip of the strap which was used for the Malkus for mace and the person died as a result of that extra hitting, in that case, he would go to Golos for having killed unintentionally because that last lash was not part of the mitzvah. So he would go to Golos because of him. Now the Torah, when it talks about giving Malchus, says, Your brother will be ashamed in front of you. That is really part of the atonement which is given by the Malchus. And because of this, the Mishnah says a fascinating halacha. Niskalkal, if the person who is about to be lashed excuses himself. He's so frightened and he gets so nervous about the Malchus before they've been given to him, that whilst he's standing there in Beistin, he excuses himself. Whether it be solid excrement, whether it be urine, potter, he becomes exempt from the Malchus and he doesn't need to receive any of the lashes because he's already, as it were, reached the purpose of the Malchus and that is being ashamed there in Beistin in front of everybody. So he's already been ashamed in this way. So much so that he doesn't even need to receive the Malchus. Rabbi Yehuda says, If it is a man, then Borei. Only if it is solid excrement, which is more embarrassing, only then is it considered to be embarrassing enough that it would exempt him from the Malchus. Whereas if it's a woman, then Bamaim, even if it's just jury, that's already considered shameful and embarrassing enough that it would exempt her from Malchus. Mishat Tesvob. As we've seen in this Perek, 
in the first half of the Perek, anything for which one is liable to Kores, any prohibition whose punishment is Kores, also carries with it the punishment of Malchus, of Lashes, as long as the person was warned before violating that Avera that he would receive Malchus in Bastin as a punishment. And the Mishnah says, Kol is Shaloku, anybody who did an Avera for which he's liable to Kores, Kores is one of the most severe punishments where one is, so to speak, cut off from Hashem, even in the next world. Anybody who violated such an Avera, once he has received Malchus, Niftru de Koreson, he is exempted from the punishment of Kores, Shnema, as the Pasuk says, Venikla ochicha leinecha, and your brother will be ashamed in front of you. Kishaloka, we see from the Pasuk that once he receives the Malchus, Harehu ochicha, he's considered to be like your brother. The Torah calls him your brother. If he, received, if he has received Kores and he's liable to be cut off from Hashem and from the Jewish people, then the Torah is not likely to call him your brother. The fact that the Torah calls him your brother indicates that once he receives Malchus, he's no longer liable to Kores. However, it's important to note that this is only true if the person does Teshuvah and he repents for that Avera when he receives the Malchus. The punishment itself without Teshuvah is not enough to exempt him from the severe punishment of Kores, the Rabbi Hanan ben Gamliel, that is the opinion of Rabbi Hanan ben Gamliel. Omar Rabbi Hanan ben Gamliel. Rabbi Hanan ben Gamliel added, If somebody who transgresses one sin, he takes his life for it. For one Aveira, he can be liable to Kores, where he's cut off from Hashem, and even something where there's no Kores. Even the punishment of Malchus is really in, in place of being killed. As soon as anybody does any Aveira, he should really deserve to be killed. The Torah said that we're going to give him Malchus and that's going to atone for his sin, etc. But doing that Avera itself is a way of disconnecting from Hashem, the source of all life, and it puts somebody in a position where he deserves to be killed. If that's the case for somebody who violates an Avera, then Ha'is a mitzvah achas, one who does one mitzvah, how much more so will he be given spirit and life and reward for that mitzvah, because there's a rule in the Torah that Hashem's measure of doing good and giving reward is larger than when he gives punishment and does, so to speak, bad. Rabbi Shimon says in from that same place where the Torah talks about kores, one can learn about the awesome reward for somebody who keeps the Torah and mitzvahs. Shanema, as the Pasuk says, those people who do the Averis which are listed in that area of the Torah will be cut off, they'll receive Kores, the Oimer. And the Torah over there says, that a person shall do them, he shall keep the mitzvahs, he should observe the Torah and live by them. We see from there that anybody who sits down and doesn't do anything, just the fact that he's not doing an Avera, Already that is enough that Nisan Leisachar Kaisa Mitzvah, the Torah and Hashem gives him reward, as if he has been doing mitzvahs. The Torah, said, the Torah there is talking about not doing particular Averas. And yet it's, it words it like this, as Hayas Eisam Adam, that a person shall do them. Meaning he should keep the Torah, Vachai Bohem, and he shall live with them. We see that the, the mere fact that he is not violating those severe Averas, and he has a temptation perhaps to do so, that is already a reason that Hashem will give him life and reward. Rabbi Shimon ben Rebbe Oimer, Rabbi Shimon ben Rebbe says, Harehu Oimer, the posuk elsewhere, says, Rak chazak levilti achol hadom. Just strengthen yourselves not to eat blood. 
It's talking about the prohibition to eat the blood of an animal, because the blood represents the soul, it's the very life of the being. And the posseg there continues, In order that it be good for you and your children, your descendants forever. If regarding eating blood, which the regular person is disgusted by, and it's considered repulsive for him, and yet, one who separates himself and he does not consume blood, he receives reward. Like what the Posak says, that he and his children and descendants will receive good from Hashem. And this is a relatively easy mitzvah. People don't want to eat blood anyway. So Gozel, stealing the Arias and illicit relations, following one's desires for immoral acts, that a person naturally desires them and he pursues these pleasures. Haposh Mehen, one who distances and separates himself from these Averas, Al Achskam and Vachama, how much more so? That he and his descendants and the generations which come later on until the end of generations, all of his descendants forever and ever will continue to reap the great reward for him controlling his desires and listening to the Torah. Mishnah Tezayin. Very famous Mishnah, Hashem wanted to give merit to the Jewish people. That is why he gave them a lot of Torah and mitzvahs. Hashem could have just given us one mitzvah or seven mitzvahs like the non-Jewish nations have. But because Hashem wanted to give us so much reward and because Hashem loves us, therefore he gave us so many mitzvahs. 613 tag mitzvahs, which are really 613 thousand mitzvahs, so many details to every mitzvah, and somebody might have a crazy misconception that this is the opposite, it's, it's a burden, it makes our lives more difficult, but the Mishnah is saying the truth, and the clear truth, that it's the exact opposite, and this is the biggest merit, how fortunate we are that Hashem gave us so many mitzvahs, and we are able to serve Him in so many different ways, Shanema, as the Pesach says, Hashem chovitz man tzidkoi, Hashem desires for the sake of his righteousness, meaning for the sake of the Jewish people's righteousness and merit, Yagdil Torah Yadir. He therefore increases the Torah and glorifies it. Every extra mitzvah is more, reward, more reward, more eternal pleasure and closeness to Hashem. And since the previous Mishnah went a bit sidetracked to talk about the greatness of mitzvahs, that's why the Masechta ends like this. And it should be noted, it's worth seeing the Rambam on this Mishnah who famously speaks about how in order to merit Olam Haba, one needs to do one mitzvah in its perfect, perfect form, totally for the sake of Hashem, without any other intentions, and that's one of the reasons why Hashem gave us so many mitzvahs, so that you'll end up doing one of them perfectly at some point, and thereby receive ultimate incredible reward in Olam Haba. Solik Maseches Makais Mazeltov Maltov. Masech Shavuos. Masech Shavuos is made up of eight prokim, and the focus of the Masechta, as its name suggests, are different types of oaths. There are four different types of oaths which one could make. One is a Shavuos Bitui, which literally means an oath of expression. This refers to a totally voluntary oath, where somebody swears that he will or will not do something, or that he did do something or didn't do something. And this is a voluntary oath, not necessarily made and based in. If he's talking about the future, then he would need to keep that oath. If he said, for example, I make an oath to eat something, he would be obligated to eat it. 
So that's the first type of oath. The second type of shavua is a shavua shov, an oath made in vain. If somebody swears about something which is impossible or something which is totally obvious, so it doesn't need an oath, that is also forbidden. Mentioning Hashem's name for no purpose. The third type of shavua is shavua soedus, when somebody swears that he didn't witness a particular event regarding a monetary matter that he is not a witness, even though he really is. And the fourth and final type of Shavua, Mid-Oyraisa, is Shavuos HaPekodain, an oath that somebody does not have someone else's item with him. If, for example, Ruven gave Shimon his item to look after, and later on Ruven comes to Shimon and he asks him, can I have my item back? And Shimon swears that he does not have Ruven's item. That would be a Shavuos HaPekodain, and the Masechta begins with Shavuos Bitui, the first type of Shavuah, where one swears to do something or not to do something, or that he did do something in the past or didn't do something in the past. Although already from the first Mishnah, the Mishnahs will go very sidetracked, and in fact the first two Parochim are not really related to the laws of oaths. But at least the first line says Shavuos Shtayim. When we're talking about oaths of a Shavuos Bitui, there are two types which are written explicitly in the Torah. Shehein Arba, which are really four, meaning it can split, be, it can be split into four, because there are adi- an additional two which we learn out of the Pesukim, but are not explicitly said in the Pesukim. The explanation of this is that in the Torah, the Torah talks about the two which are about the future. If somebody makes an oath to do something or not to do something, the additional two would be if he swore that he did do something in the past or that he did not do something in the past. And now the Mishnah lists other things which we have a similar number structure to. Yediyei Satuma, knowledge of Tuma, is also Shtaim to Shehin Arba, which are also four. What does that mean? It is forbidden to eat korban meat or to enter the Beis HaMikdash whilst one is Tomei. And if he does so, he is liable to bring a korban oil of a yoreid, one of the types of korbanis. And the two cases which are explicit in, in the Torah would be if he knew that he was entering the Beis HaMikdash and he knew that he was eating a korban. However, he forgot that he himself was Tomei. So he violated this prohibition by mistake. And the reason why he violated it is because he forgot that he was Tomei and he entered the Beis HaMikdash or he ate korban meat. Those are the two which are explicitly mentioned in the Torah. The additional two which aren't as explicit in the Torah would be if he knew that he was Tomei, but he didn't realize that the meat which he was eating was carbon meat, or he didn't realize that he was entering into the Beis HaMikdash. A fascinating case where somebody could enter the Beis HaMikdash and not really realize that he's in the Beis HaMikdash. This is quite a frightening example of what one's habit can lead him to do. If somebody went into the Beis HaMikdash every day, it could be out of habit. He might forget even that he's in the Beis HaMikdash. Alright, next example, Yitzhiya Shabbos, carrying from one domain to another on Shabbos, which is forbidden mid-Oyraisa, Shtayim. There are two ways of violating this mid-Oyraisa, which are explicitly said in the Torah, or it's not explicitly in the Torah, but it is much more mentioned in the Torah and learnt from the Pesukim. Shehin Arba, which are really four, because there are another two examples. What are we talking about? If somebody... Let's say Ruven is standing inside a, pu- a private domain and Shimon is standing in a public domain on Shabbos. The two which we are talking about is taking is an action where one person takes an item from the private domain out into the public domain. So either Ruven does that and he gives something to Shimon or Shimon does it, Shimon takes something from Ruven in the, in the private domain, lifts it up, brings it out into the public domain and puts it down. Those would be the two, exam- the, the two, and the four would be 
an additional two with the opposite. If either Ruvain or Shimon transfers something from the public domain into the private domain. And the final example is Mais Nagoim, the different appearances of Tsaras on a person's body, when he gets some spots on his body, which come for particular virus, and he could become Tommy as a result of them. Shnaim, there are two, Shane Abra, which are four. There are basically two diff- two main types of tsaras which could appear on somebody's body. One is called Se'es, one is called Beheres. And there's something known as Sapachas, which is a secondary form of Se'es, or a secondary form of Beheres. So that would be the additional two, which would altogether make four.